0: Chance, On stage, chances to chill out. On stage, to chill out. On stage, to chill out. Tonight, we welcome Oliver Graves to the stage of Phoenix Theater. Oliver gained national exposure last year when he appeared on America's Got Talent season 13. Though he is known widely as the goth comedian from that season, he is far more than that. And tonight, we'll get to know him, his backstory, his art, and much more. Please welcome to the program, Oliver Graves.
1: Welcome. Well, thank you.
0: I think to give some context for your work, uh, we're going to play a clip here from when you performed as part of Jake Ward's North Bay Cabaret episode a few months ago. And uh, I feel like uh, people need to, to see that to kind of understand what we're talking about. Because when you say stand up comedy, uh, a lot of people in this world think one thing, and you kind of turn it turn it on its head a little bit. So I want to uh, I want to play that.
1: They say that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Well, not if you're poisoned. Then the antidote becomes the most important meal. So I've dated enough liars that now I know a liar when I see one. But luckily, the people I'm dating now, they haven't. I love
0: what you do, and I love that you are on America's Got Talent. Because when you think about what you do and what they feature, I mean, at least what I thought was like, this is way too strange for a mainstream show to put on. You know, it's it's great, but obviously we look at like what NBC, ABC, CBS puts on TV and it's, you know, it's like very, 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 very broad. And, and I don't know that that's what you do. So my, my first question is like what was the path that got you on America's Got Talent?
1: That started way back in 2017 when I first found out they were going to be doing something in San Jose. I wasn't really sure what there was a scout She was going around Facebook, letting comedians know, hey, we would like comedians to be in San Jose in January of 2018 to try out for America's Got Talent. I thought, well, I can drive to San Jose, live in the North Bay. Like, that's doable. And I had a back and forth. And then it just all started to keep going kind of from that point on.
0: I start with America's Got Talent because that was a defining moment in your life. Like, it introduced you to so many new people that were not familiar with you prior. Would you agree with
1: that? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's... I mean, I, I thought, okay, it'll be TV. Like, that's cool. I'll get that, that audience. Then they kind of sat on my clip for a while with, you know, regards to social media and stuff like that. Then they put it on Facebook and it jumped to like 20-something million views and now it's at 40 million views. I'm just like, okay, that is not what I expected at all from this. I was hoping to be like looking at the other comments like 800,000 views. That's so cool. Like that would be so cool to have almost a million people watch my comedy.
0: Incredible. Yeah. So were you doing the same type of comedy that you do on the show and what you do now? Was that what you were doing prior to the America's Got Talent thing? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. I've been I've been dabbling in stand-up comedy for I don't know, 14 years, but I really kind of was grinding and going to San Francisco and Oakland pretty hard since 2013. Yeah.
0: Now, was it a total surprise that you got selected to be on that show? Or did you kind of have a feeling like, ah, I, have, I have a sense?
1: Once I started to have the back and forth with them, and it seemed they were positive they wanted to work with me, they wanted me to put my best foot forward. It was like, okay, they like something about what I'm doing. They just want to make sure it fits for the show. And again, I didn't really watch the show that much to know like what, what works, what doesn't work. Then I started to get a very better idea of like, well, a lot of kids watch this show. You know, there's a lot of kids that are on the show. So it's, it's total range of like eight to 80 kind of, you know, audience. It's like, well, let's play to that. And I started really going very clean, very kind of quirky kind of humor because I wanted people who watch it to really enjoy what I do.
0: I love that you, you bring that up because there was a, a Reddit thread that, because you're kind of active on Reddit when uh, I think in like, there's an Oliver Graves subreddit or something. And uh, I mean, I
1: have an account. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: But I mean, if somebody like says something about you or whatever, you, you, you interact with people, that's a different yeah, yeah. thing of you to do. Mm-hmm. And, and th- there was some comment that they were like, uh, you know, you, you something about like you not reading the audience or something. And you were like, actually I, I did a lot of work on making sure what I was doing would try to connect, but what an impossible thing to think about doing. I mean, like you say, yeah. eight to eighty. It's like you have so many millions of people that watch the show. And in
2: a huge room besides when you're doing it, that looked like it would be daunting to play in front of those people.
1: Which also they kinda keep you on rails. You know, they, they knew what I was gonna be doing before I went out there and they they don't say don't get off your your set list. Like they don't tell you not to do that, but there's pretty clear like we would like you to do the set that you've prepared okay. and so it's a reading an audience thing is difficult because like i'll do a bar show and i'll know i can interact with people i can know to maybe get off doing really edgy stuff and do more clean like but when you have about 90 seconds to two minutes you even if i wanted to change it's like there's not much i could really change it's like i gotta stick to what i was planning on doing anyway
0: yeah Yeah, and it's fascinating too because again like you're you're comedy is is so it's so you it's it's unique you know what i mean i mean that's something that simon cowell said to you that we'll we'll come back to that in a minute because i think it was a big moment but the the room's reaction to it is really funny too You know, it's like because because like broad audiences like that, they they think comedy like, oh, I'm supposed to react in this way. So you're getting these like huge belly laughs at some of the jokes that you're telling, which are funny. But I bet when you write them, you're not always saying like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make a room of like 5000 people fall over. You know, some of your stuff is observational. Some of your stuff is subtle. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And And I wonder for you as the writer of all that material. Is it just strange to watch those clips now and just see these just, you know, all these people just like falling over at um it basically your jokes about you know uh isolation <laughs> your jokes about uh tough things have happened in your life and all that it mu- it must be a very just fascinating thing to have experienced
1: i think a lot of people relate though it's it's a thing where i'm like it was insane to experience it's insane insane to still watch you know you know millions of people still like checking it out but i think everyone kind of looks and goes like i feel like that though like i feel rejected i feel like nothing i feel Like, that's who I am at these times in life. And and they don't know how to cope with it and respond to it. And I've always tried to be very transparent, you know, be very honest with people and be very, like, I'm direct. People say, you know, I'm too, too honest at times. I'm like, well, I'm not going to hide my feelings or sugarcoat things. And I think we all kind of wish we could do that. You know, we don't want to walk on eggshells around people. Well, here's someone that's doing it. And here's someone that's also feeling all that negativity and then flipping it around. It's just, I think they just, it just captures them in a way.
0: Were there any good moments with uh hosts or notable figures that you can talk about because again I, what makes you so fascinating is that you have uh you, you're just you 're just a very unique person one on that show i don 't watch the show a lot, but i 've seen plenty of clips and when I learned that someone from Santa Rosa or Sonoma County was on the show. And it was you, I was like, oh, this is so good. This is so, it's so different. And that's exactly what Simon Cowell said. Um, So I guess I'll answer one part of the question. He said of your act, we have a lot of stand-up comedians this year. And when I look back and I try to remember them all, they all blur into one type apart from you. You're interesting. What an incredible thing.
1: And I had no idea how he was going to react at all. Because I'd I'd seen how he reacted to other comedians. I tried, once I knew I was going to be on the show, I'm like, okay, I do research. Because that's... That's how I am. I'm meticulous in that way. I'm like, I want to know what I'm in for. I also was afraid at a time that they were going to have me on the show to be made fun of. I'm like, I know what I look like. I know what I'm doing. And there's definitely acts that go on. They're like, okay, this is a guy throwing eggs at his own face. It's like that, that guy doesn't think he's a million dollar act. He knows what he's doing. He's just trying to get on TV. I'm like, I don't want them to think I'm just trying to get on TV. I love what I do. I know I'm funny. And I didn't want them to go, yeah, let's make fun of this guy. Which was, you know, I was willing to have that happen. Like the whole time I'm there, I'm like, if that's what they're going to do. That, that's what they're going to do. Yeah, it was,
2: it's a risk. You're putting yourself out in front of the nation like that. Right. And,
1: to a place that is known for doing this sometime. They don't do it to everybody, but it's something that does happen on the yeah. show. Yeah. And then, you know, they buzz you and everything. Like, okay. So Howie, I was like, okay, if Howie doesn't like me, I'm really, really screwed. And I was like, okay, I don't know what Scary Spice will think. Like, I think she'll be entranced. Heidi was notorious for not liking stand-up comedians like Simon Cowell. I'm like, man, that's the one though. Like if, if I can get him, then, you know, everyone will just, will get it. Like he'll he'll explain it he'll tell them if not, I'm done. Like they can make it look as bad as they want it to look. They can make it look worse than it looked, but instead he's completely on board and is just, no, I'm going to remember you like everything about it. He's like, I'm, he's so much funnier and smarter then I think so many people give him credit for because he's into music, and he's n- clearly very good at making money from music. And then he has all these other acts. Yeah,
2: you know what I think. As you're watching uh, watching the clip, uh, Simon Cowell was was reading the room himself at the time. He wasn't sure where it was going to go. I think even halfway through your, your uh, act, but in the end, he just he, he just he sucked in all the energy that was coming back at you and realized, oh yeah.
0: Were there any moments with uh, anyone that stand out to you? Just uh, I mean, aside from what we saw like you know i would imagine you're walking around backstage everybody else is like putting on their makeup and like doing their vocal warm-ups and stuff and here you are Do you have any fun little anecdotes or stories from it
1: they kept me pretty separate from the judges and the hosts they kept it pretty like you don't really interact with tyra right now we'll let you know when you're interacting with tyra the other acts on the show i had some interaction with but even still they like to keep me away from everyone else it was so isolating Mm -hmm. It was really one of the hardest times of my life when I was there for the second time because uh, they just didn't want me really near him. Every now and then they'd have me interact. But I did have this one moment where all the judges were kind of done taking a break and they start walking backstage and you know Heidi kind of storms by, Mel B storms by. Simon just does whatever he wants to do and Howie has nothing to do. He, it just reminded me of, he's just a comic like everyone else. He's just kind of like waiting to entertain. <laughs> and he sees me, he's like, hey buddy, you're gonna kill it tonight. You know, I've been telling people about you, and I was just like, "Well, I hope so. I hope I do."
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I read somewhere, and I don't even know if this is true because I didn't verify it, but that Mel B, I think she said something like, "We'll talk later."
1: There was a lot of people didn't understand that uh, as it kind of aired on TV. So yeah. she says to that to me, uh, and they were trying to kind of let me know get off the stage. Yeah. Which they don't really tell you like, you know, Get off. they try to do it in like a polite way like they're the judges and you just kind of have to know like we're done now, walk away and I really didn't know what to do and um, eventually I just waved and walked off. So, Herbert we'll talk later was the we're going to let you know you're not moving forward, not we want to see you again, we want to talk to you again. It was You'll come back, you know, and be told goodbye. This
0: is this is good uh, thing for the Oliver grave super fans to
1: hear, you know, because I've, there was a speculation
0: I've that I've perhaps clarified perhaps it multiple times. Th-
1: yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, like, I, I have it, I, people keep it, asking people me, keep like, asking what's this you? mean? What's this mean? I'm like, it meant I was going to find out the results later. And, like, you watch yeah. the full episode. See,
0: what we all wanted was her to take you aside and have this, like, Moment. I don't
1: think her and I ever had anything ever... I had a little bit more with Tyra, like everyone talks to Tyra. Yeah. Everyone talks to her before and after and everything and I had all these weird things happen both times with Tyra where I was like walking away. They're like you need to do an interview with Tyra now. I'm like, Oh my god, I'm like literally walking away from Tyra Banks as I'm supposed to be standing next to her and I was like, Well, I didn't know like yeah. kind of get TV. yelled at
0: by producers a little bit. Right? I mean
1: they they got it. Like yeah, they're like yeah. this this guy just doesn't know what we're doing and we know what we're doing and he was told one thing, so he walked away. So when was your first stand up? very first yeah. time i ever did stand-up yeah, comedy. in front of a
0: room full of people or uh, you know a handful of people
1: i think that i must have been 15 or 16 we used to do roasts we really liked me and my friends we liked the roasts uh comedy <laughs> central did so we roasted the seniors back behind the library and everything and I, that's when I remember being in front of, I don't know, it was actually more people than I get sometimes at open mics I go to. Standing, we'd make fun of them and then someone else would take turns, we'd make fun of them and there'd be people I didn't know standing there watching.
0: Was it the typical first show experience or did you ever have the typical like early show experience? None where, of where
1: the it, first things I did ever were because I remember performing not too far from here, it was called, oh, was it, it was before it was Roaring Donkey, it was before it was Rocks, was it Infusions? I don't remember. But the whatever bar was in that location, I did stand-up there. Yeah, Infusions. I mean, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember doing stand-up there. And that even then, that wasn't my first time because I remember doing a talent show in high school. I remember doing a competition in LA.
0: And so you never had that typical like jarring, humbling first show or one of the first show
1: experiences? I think Infusions would have been the one where it was like, oh, I don't need to be here because they had a DJ and they were supposed to have talent that night. Like, the guy was like, I'm going to have rappers, I'm going to have comedians, I'm going to have singers. He had no one except me.
2: You you were it.
1: I was it. I was the only one he was able to get to further be the, the talent showcase of the night.
0: It it almost seems like the way you have crafted your persona and the way that you craft your jokes almost sort of insulates you from what a lot of comics do when they do their first show. You know what I mean? Because you're... Yeah. I think part of what you do and you, you know, better than I, but I think is, uh, people sometimes don't know how to react in the beginning. You know what I mean? Right. And I I think you lean into that. Um, and I think that, you know, it's not, it's not built like a typical standup set, like all the ones that Simon sees come on the show, you know, it's, uh, sometimes the audience listening to you tell a joke and not reacting is not the worst thing.
1: Sometimes it's on purpose. Sometimes it's on purpose. There's the subversion and meta humor and anti jokes. And it's, it's, I did an LA gig a while back and I just watched and almost crumbled as they weren't getting my subversion humor at all. They just, they're like, oh, I don't get it. I'm like, oh, because it's not that kind of joke. You know, it's not set up punch. It's, I flip things around so often. So if you're, not ready for that kind of energy if you're not ready for me then yeah you're gonna just sit there and go like i don't get this guy which i'm totally used to
0: and you and maybe comfortable with it because you go into it doing jokes like that that you know not every audience is either going to know how to react to or necessarily get and so you don't necessarily like run off the fuel of the audience falling over laughing you know what i'm saying Right. And, and I, that's different than a lot of comics. Yeah, um, but
2: that's hot stuff sometimes when and, and it'll, 15 seconds later somebody will get it. Oh, I get it. He's an insomniac. <laughs> it's smoking. And they'll be laughing probably halfway through your next joke. Do you find that happening at all?
1: I've definitely had jokes where I'm like, okay, this part of the room got it right away, so I wait. I think I hear comics call it like a slow burn. I've said it before on stage, it's like slow burn because you wait. I'm like, okay, this audience, this side, you're gonna catch up, and then like they start laugh. Like this side gets to laugh at them, and they get to laugh. And it's a it's an energy you don't get to play with when you're doing you know a seven minute set and you're restricted. But when I've gotten to do like longer sets, been much more free. Like then you can play with the audience and play with that fourth wall, which I think yeah. that's really what makes stand up stand up. Yeah, is is there, we're all having this happen together.
0: Do you have a joke or a bit that you keep in the set just because you like it, but like it never really gets the reaction that you hope it's going to get?
1: I haven't done that in a long time. It used to be like, I like this joke. I want to do it. But now I try very much just to do stuff that it, it, it's supposed to work. Although even still, I'll have jokes. I'm like, that one usually does well. Why did it not do well here? I'm I'll, None of them are immune, it seems like all of them can be gold, but some of them can still be trash. I'm like, well, I'd pull it out if it was always trash, but there's never that joke that is really doing that these days. But
0: like, certainly there are jokes that you think or that you now don't do anymore. But it, it, at one point you're like, no, this joke is good. Just because you all don't get it, the joke is good. It's not trash.
1: Do you... D- no, because I that's that's selfish. I, I saw too many comedians doing stuff like that where they felt entitled to be able to get up there and say whatever you want. I'm like, this isn't uh, a soapbox to just be free and be expressive it's you have a job and that's to make people laugh and if you're going to intentionally sabotage your set like then you're then you're not doing your job
0: could you go any deeper about what you feel your job is as a comic or do you think that's it
1: i think you're an entertainer i i do i know that there's people that feel the being political and being a sort of beacon for people like that's part of what they do i'm like that's not your number one job though like if you want to do that that's fine but if you're doing things just for you, I don't think you're really servicing the audience in the way that they're there for. You know, I could get up and I could just say really foul, nasty things, but that's not really kind of the anticipation of going to a comedy show. I think
0: that some people would, would, would watch you perform and using uh, subversive, sometimes meta humor and whatever, and they would think he's doing it because he likes it. But no, you, you curate your material.
1: I mean, I've been doing it for years and I've found how much you can get away with. You do it too much and sometimes it's like you lose the audience or they start to get second, get it like a little bit ahead of you because that's all you're doing. So I've learned that, yeah, this is, you know, it's a, it's a light touch and where you can be at with it and when to, you know, just kind of play it straight too. And when an audience is a little, you know, rowdy or something and they just kind of need, just need it lighter.
0: So you mentioned in the lead-up to this that there were uh, two DVD movies that you grew up with yes. that uh, were uh, hugely influential in terms of the, the comedic mind that you would develop. Yes. And so what are those?
1: I, I mean, it, they would happen like high school in summer. I'd have three months, do whatever I want, and two movies. I had The Transformers, the movie from 1986, the animated movie, and then Weird Al's UHF. And there was just something about all the voices and everything. I wished I could have been a voice actor. I always wished that that was something I could do. And so I would mimic the voices and everything, but I'm like nobody knows who Starscream is. Like I can't go, I see other comedians doing impressions. I'm like, well, everybody knows who, you know, Jack Nicholson is. I don't do Jack Nicholson because he wasn't in the Transformers movie. But I can do, you know, Starscream, who was in the Transformers movie. And I realized I'm like, well, I'm not that good at it. I'm like, what am I good at? And I, it's like, then there's Weird Al. I'm like, well, I love making fun of things that, were real in parody I'm like that is something I'm good at and there was a creepy scientist character in it I'm like that's something I'm good at I'm very good at being very creepy and weird and just you know into weird alien robot stuff and everything about that was like well, how was that in stand up because I loved Doff Punk and people are like well what's a comedian that inspires you I'm like I don't really know there's few but I'm like there's something about robots it's the dumbest thing but there's that stoicism sometimes, there's that gender neutrality to them that I just I identified with it. And also, you know, Weird Al's funny too. I mean, yeah. but you, that, that was a daily thing sometimes where I'm like, those were the two movies I put on.
0: Okay, so...
1: I bet you did not expect those two movies to be the two... Like, you were hoping for like Elvira. <laughs> no, no and, I,
0: I wasn't hoping for anything. I, think I mean, that, it's, I think it's, it's, it's probably
1: very like kind of like mind screwing for people. Like, What?
0: To me, it, it's so much more than the movies themselves. To me, it, like, informs informs you, you know what I mean? You say, like, oh, you didn't expect that, Jim. You didn't expect that because you probably thought it was going to be, like, a, a stand-up special or, like, a, a movie that has an iconic 80s or 90s comedy star. I don't know. I, I think what we've learned so far about you today is you're just highly atypical, you know? It, when somebody says, uh, yeah, my friend Oliver is a, a stand-up comic— that is going to paint a picture of a type of person when the person a stand up comic all these like things start getting filled in you don't fill in a lot of this would you agree with that
1: almost on purpose people yeah. people say i'm you know i'm trying to be weird to be weird i'm like that's not who i am though you know i remember one time being out at a party when you know around high school era and i was wearing slippers and people were commenting why are you wearing slippers i'm like cuz i felt like it and I, ever, I think back on it now it's like yeah that was a weird thing but that's what i felt like doing Everyone else is wearing shoes, but I, that's what I wanted to wear, and it wasn't my house or anything. Like I went, I left the house wearing I'm like wearing whatever I was wearing. But I just, I don't know. I don't try to think. I don't try to think in traditionalism. That is something I try to do on purpose. Is whatever is done because this is the way it's always done. I go, well, why? Like, what's the way we should really be doing it, or what's the way that's the best way to do it, or what's the way that you like to do it? Yeah. Like to do it. Yeah. What what feels like it's going to be right? Yeah. In the moment. So when you get to things like weddings and Thanksgiving. I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. Because that's that, Those are traditions, and mm-hmm. that's an expected thing a lot of times. Yeah.
0: You know, well, you push back against that though. I mean, you. I think I you, do. Yeah. You, you definitely do, and I feel like you you have been intentional in like rewriting the rules of like what your set could be and like what your art can be,
1: Would which you, is really really hard. Because when someone goes to a wedding, they want to go to a wedding. There's, ex- there's all these expectations of what it should be like. So when someone goes to see stand-up comedy, there's, again, all these expectations of what it should be like. So I can't tell people you know not to celebrate Thanksgiving anymore. I'm not going to be on that platform. I mean, I am, but I'm not, that's not going to be my life's work. But I can make stand-up my life's work. I can have people go to stand-up comedy and go, it is an art, and Jackson Pollock did it one way with his art, you know, just the same way I'm going to do art in my way.
0: Can you remember any moments where you've, uh, like, found found your voice or found uh, uh, things about, you know, what you want to do in terms of this? Because, I, I mean, I have to imagine the types of jokes you were telling, at, you know, when you were roasting people at 15 or 16 are different than what you're doing now.
1: Yes. I, I mean, those were so specific to the person, and also you could get away with being really hacky and low-hanging fruit you know like it's a joke you'd almost make about anyone too at the same time it's like it is it's either an inside joke or just so just there that it it it's just obvious like people are gonna know the punchline before you say it so now it's like you gotta find almost it's like a puzzle it's like i'm making a puzzle every time i write a joke where maybe you have an idea of what i'm gonna say but it's not there until i actually hit you with it and it's that sort of illusion where you're taking someone on a journey where they're like okay like the setup, punchline and everything and then Sometimes it's good to have something completely different, but that's that's part of the pacing I've learned with standup is how many times you can kind of get away with that, with with like tricking people before they're just their brain is just I'm not on board. I can't I can't wrap my head around this.
0: Whereas not if they give you another chance, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's like part of it is part of it is like um, the audience trust in you. Yes. You know, if you lose their trust at some point, it's very, very difficult to get it back. Yes. And I have to imagine that when you write a stand-up set, that that, that, that plays a role. You want to get them as close to the line as possible, get them feeling uncomfortable before you
1: bring them back. So, yeah, when I have jokes that are a bit, you know, more harsh or edgier, and I always try to have a joke after that that is much lighter. So if they pull back and if they get tense from it, we can just go, well, you know what? I'm not always just this awful, disgusting person. And sometimes I just like talk about something light like cars or dinosaurs. How much of the act do you feel is you? About 100%. 100%. I was just talking with someone about this, how I went somewhere. I, you know, do, people ask, do I leave the house without the makeup? I was like, well, clearly I don't go everywhere with the makeup on. But I have to be a little more careful now because people do recognize me. So I actually don't always go to places where I would normally have the makeup on because I don't want to have, you know, I don't want it to be like a thing. So I went somewhere and I wasn't wearing the makeup. I was trying to be low key and I'm trying to be nice to people because I know I'm meeting people. I'm saying hi to people that I don't really know. And I just felt really out of place trying to be polite and everything. I'm like, this is not who I am. And then a while later I went with all my makeup on and everything. And I just stood in the corner, said hi, gave one word answers. I'm like, this is so much better than trying to be nice and friendly to people, being putting up a front, which is like, that's not what I do. That's not who I am. Like, this is who I am. So what
0: you're expected to do in real life, again, we come back to expectations. Like, that is that is really not and the I'm, real you. Yeah, this is closer not, like,
1: to the real you. I'm not rude, too. I mean, it's maybe something if, you know, it's called for, but, you know... If we don't have anything to talk about. I'm not going to sit there and act like I, I need to talk about. You know,
0: no. But societally, some people, people might look at want to do and that. Say, yeah. Some some people might say, "Oh, you're being rude," but you would say, "Well, no. There's just nothing to talk about yeah. here." And, and I think it's interesting ju- juxtaposition. It's like the way people would have you behave at a job, or the way people would have you behave at a wedding. That's not the real you, right? And so that is
1: the act, I feel like. I feel like Exactly
0: the, I feel like the what you do when you perform is probably closer to, you know, your your truest self. Would you agree with that?
1: It's almost like uh, like Superman and Clark Kent or, you know, Spider Man and Peter Parker. Like who who is more them? Like what's more freeing with the mask on or the mask off? I'm like, I feel much more free when I'm on stage. Mm-hmm. I can talk to people for twenty minutes when I'm on stage, I get off stage. I'm like, okay, I don't have anything to talk about now. Like I don't have a microphone in my hand.
0: Does it feel like therapeutic to address some of the things that you talk about, or is it just going for the funniest thing you can possibly
1: go to? I used to do stuff like that. I used to really want to talk about what I had going on in life. I always was dating. There's always that. So I could always write jokes about some bad date that happened or some dumb thing that I did on a date. But I found that unless it's relatable and it just comes off as petty, that people aren't really going to be interested in that, and it's it's. There it has to be humor, and then also, when your life is nothing but dating, and then your set is nothing but dating, that gets boring for an audience. Like talk about something else.
0: Well, on the show, you talked about I think uh, a family member's hoarding, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about let's see, there was the hoarding, and then there was uh, there was relationship
1: stuff. I did get a, a lot of dating material into the the show.
0: Oh, bullying! You talked about
1: bullying yeah. as well.
0: So, I mean. I guess what you're saying is like now when you do this stuff, it's more just to like add another angle to the bit. It's not so much or to the set. It's not so much of a like, oh, this is something I'm wrestling with and this is my
1: way of channeling angst around that. It's yeah. It's very hard because when it's on your mind, you want to write about it, but it's that sort of, you know, is it fun to listen to or is it fun to write? And there's a lot of things that are very fun to write that an audience doesn't enjoy listening to. There's a lot of things that are fun to say because it's shocking. And shock, I, you can turn into humor, but it is not always humor. It's a different emotion. It doesn't, you know, there's shock and there's joy. I'm like, well, you want to get both if you're going to be shocking, but you can't just be shocking. And that's kind of easy. It's like if you're going to make a horror movie, it's really easy to make things really quiet, having the person stand alone in the woods and then raw a monster comes out and it scares people because it was quiet and suddenly it's loud like well that that can be done in every movie ever any movie could do that but making someone laugh like that's a lot trickier and you can try to scare them and make them laugh too but that's you know is it, are you doing that for you i'm like well i try not to do that for me i do that it's for them
0: yeah well and then you get to like what do you do the stand up for at all like are are you doing it for you or are you doing it for the audience? I mean,
1: I am doing it for me because it's the only thing I've ever been good at, and I'm starting to make money doing it. So there is definitely me is, is doing it, but I have to do it for them because if when I actually get to the show, people come in, they're coming in to see me. They're coming in because like, this is who I'm going to watch tonight. This is my night. They could have done a lot of things for their night. And it's like, well, I have to be there for them.
0: So you talk about some things are fun <laughs> To uh, what was it? Some things are fun to write, right? And some things are fun to uh, watch play out. I, I forget how you worded it. What's an example of something you think that is fun? Because you're a writer, that's I think something that gets missed about you. And, and it's totally natural yeah. that it would. Oh yeah, because everybody's exposure to you, aside from you know people you've worked with, friends, family, etc., it's it's because of America's Got Talent. So of course they're going to say, oh, he's the goth comic.
1: Well, mo- some comedians are not writers, but most comedians are. I do know a few that have. Writers they work with but yeah by and large if you have ever seen a comedian or know a comedian really really big ones actually may have writers. uh Kevin Hart I think he's he's huge he's so big that he does have writers and he credits them he sometimes has them come out but yeah that's it's a part of being a stand-up comedian is you write everything and no it's there's certainly things where you go Oh, this would be so good to do on stage. Oh, this would be so fun. Like just tiptoeing around like like race issues or, you know, gender issues where it's like w- they're going to wonder what I'm going to say next. It's like, well, unless you have something funny to say next, you're just building tension for no reason.
0: It sounds like you don't have a problem leaning into stuff that could be potentially uh, nerve-wracking for an audience. You understand stepping into the minefield can be dangerous, but also as a writer, this is not something that is overly concerning to you just as long as you get it right. You got to pull them
1: out. Yeah. That's the, I mean, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know where you're going and you don't know where you're going to go next. Then yeah.
0: What, what are some other uh, like writing projects that you do outside of this? Or is this the primary
1: way that you channel the writing? Uh, absolutely not. No, I, I have to write all the time because humor gets daunting. It really does to just sit and try to do either jokes or storytelling kind of jokes which I don't ever really do. But uh I'm a big mm. fan of Dungeons and Dragons. I'm a dungeon master which that's someone who's scripting a story and then also creating battles cuz it's a game too, but you have to come up with characters, you have to come up with plot elements and towns and all this other stuff. So it's a good outlet for me to be creative and come up with you know something completely different. Like if I don't want to, you know, worry about what would be really funny about like a Cyclops? Like, no, it doesn't have to be funny. Like I, I can just, I can just make this Cyclops just a sad, depressing guy. And then a guy kills him. Like that can be what happens.
0: So do you skew more towards uh, like fictional typewriting, or more, um, you know, like your life biographical?
1: I mean, I still talk about my life every now and then I, I want to give people like an update, which is a weird thing to say. I still feel weird saying that like, cause I have, you know, I have fans, which again is weird. But they, like, care. So I'll tell them, like, what's going on with me, how I feel, and it'll be a longer kind of post. But then I still need to write something. I still need to get away from that. I need to get away from the real world and be somewhere where I'm in control. and I can get my own ideas out and make my own rules. So it's been a little over a year
0: since you were cut from the show. And um, you. speaking of writing, you did a big post um, about how your life has changed. And it wasn't just because of the, you know, more fame, more fans or whatever, but I, and I, I don't want to respect your privacy because you specifically say in the post that you want to want to be private about the health stuff. But you basically say that when you did that show, you were not as well as you are now.
1: Yeah. This, this is where we get to where me crying on the, uh, on the show. Um, it was, I, I thought I was dying. I mean, the, the, say it suffice, it, I didn't know what was wrong with me. You know, um, I was going to the doctor. They didn't know what was wrong with me. We're doing tests. Uh, I got an ultrasound. I was like, okay, what, you know, what are we screening, doing blood tests and all this stuff? I'm like, what, what are we looking for? What are we hoping to not find? Which is, you know, it's triage. It's like, well, this is really easy. So we're going to do this and get this out of the way. I'm like, well, an ultrasound's not easy. We're getting down the line here of of things we're trying to eliminate. What else, what else can we be looking for? Uh, You know, I'm six and a half feet tall. I was getting around to 130, 140. I know in 2015, 2016, I was about 190. So my weight's always kind of, you know, didn't stay 190. Been up in that range. But still, I'm like, that's quite a bit of weight loss. I'm like, how much more am I going to lose? Like, where where are we going with this? And your brain's not working. Your body's not working. Nothing's, like, functioning. So I'm like, okay, well, is this it? Like, You know, where are we going now? Like, is am I done? And I,
0: how long had this been going on prior to you going on America's Got Talent?
1: About eighteen months. I was getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, yeah, no, I was. I was seriously ready to get back home from doing that, than to not do stamp because I didn't think I was gonna be well enough. You know, I couldn't drive to gigs. I couldn't, you know, really concentrate and do gigs. So it's I, if I did a gig, I had to get booked with someone else to drive me to get, because I wasn't going to trust myself to drive home. And
0: were you passing out?
1: Yeah, I would get drowsy. Um, It it was reminding me of when I had mono, because I've had mono before, but I'm like, it's not mono, because I've had it before, and just not be able to focus as well as you can. And, you know, I was getting dumped on by a lot of comics, because I used to use a set list a lot. I'd get my notes right in front of me, right on me, and I would pretty much read off of it. I started to get really better about that, Then I got way worse. I was worried I couldn't memorize a two-minute set for the TV show. That's where I was at. I almost forgot a joke for that short of a set.
0: So you were in crisis, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, How much did that affect your performance, you think? Like, if you did that performance today, do you think it would be much different? Or do you feel like the adrenaline of being in that moment caused you to do as well as you were going
1: to do? I don't think it would have affected the performance, but the whole, you know, reality show is not just the 2-minute piece I did. I absolutely affected everything else that was going on, which I think for sure could have changed things. But you the the big moments are what happens off stage, and I didn't really have the frame of mind to to think about that and say that and to be present.
0: So there have been improvements on that front.
1: Yes, I'm I'm holding weight better. I'm, you know, my brain is a lot more clear, which is great. You know, memorization is much less of an issue. I'm driving all over the place myself. So I'm, I'm doing a lot, which I, you know, I'm very open about. Oh, I can't have gluten because that's a thing I have to kind of be open about. So I'm, I'm not able to have breads and stuff, and I like to like wave my finger at vegans who choose not to have meat. I'm like, well, I didn't choose gluten intolerance. It chose me, all right?
0: Like it's- How much did gluten mess you up? Pretty bad. Pretty bad. So when you eliminated that?
1: Within the first week, I started bouncing back. And they're like, this is a really good sign. You know, it was. I think the only thing I was eating was like tuna and pears. Uh, just pretty much just straight. Just that's it. So getting through that, I was like, okay. And so it was a, still a longer process of will I gain weight again? Because once you start feeling better, that's not, not out of the woods. And like, okay, well, I literally skin and bone. Which is, again, it's really hard to look at those patients because I can see it. I can see my ribs. I can see my knees, just everything about it. I was like, oh. And they didn't know, too. That's the thing. They love to talk about that kind of stuff on the show. And I was like, I'm not telling them. Like, this is none of their business. And it's like, I know that's what they want, but I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. So I'm not going to get into it. And also, I don't want people to feel bad for me. That's not what I do.
0: So that's what I was going to say. This has not made it into your set at all, this sort of
1: thing. No.
0: And is that the reason? Because you don't want people to pity you?
1: I haven't found the humor in it yet. I mean, people pity me enough as it is. I don't need them to go, oh, that's, that's so sad. That's so, I feel so bad for him. I'm kind of going back on it a little bit because after I made that post, there was such an outpouring of support. I didn't know I could make people feel good from, from telling them that I'm just going through that. And, you know, had, had I known, I would have told them a long time ago.
2: Well, you saw uh, the reaction from the audience and from the, uh, from the panel at, at the show itself. And, well, you had, how many, was it 4,000 people in that room? Is that how many people they get in there? You had a whole room full of people who were right there with you at that moment. Uh, and they were feeling it. Uh, it was pretty spectacular. And I think as people see that online, they got that same thing. It, uh, yeah, they feel it for you and with you.
0: Well, and I think the isolation that you uh, you say that, that people who watch your act identify and and they say, oh my God, like that's me, like I feel these things. Um, I mean, you you come to uh, represent a, a voice, or even people feel like they know you, you know. And and so, obviously, you standing on the stage doing what you do, being on TV, it, that doesn't always sink in. Sometimes you just think, oh, people are watching me; they're laughing, and that's the end of our transaction. But I think that especially yeah. with an act as personal as yours, people start to develop a, a real connection with you, which is not something you predicted would happen when you went on America's Got Talent. No, which not, is inc- not at all, which is incredible. I mean, that you could even argue that that is the wildest thing that has happened. You yeah. have I would I would say it's not a stretch to say tens of thousands plus of people who, who feel an emotional connection to what you do and who you are. I mean, that's incredible.
1: And I, I'm still, i still, I don't know how to handle it. You know, it's like I had years to be in front of an audience and I knew how to handle that. I've, I've practiced that. But now, and I, again, I did all the research. I looked at, well, what, did, what happened to other comedians? What what did they do? What did they get? And I start looking at their social media and start looking at their fans. I'm like, okay, this is what I can expect. And I got much different when they what they got. So I was like, well, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to respond to people being so positive and so supportive of me and and having all those feelings and feeling that connection where like i you know they wish it was them where they wish they could overcome their fears and they could perform or or that they could be so brave to talk about their problems or whatever else that they're feeling that i am inspiring them are well,
2: fully relating to you
1: which i didn't think would happen yeah it's, how is this relatable Well, that's what's so good about it and what I was getting
0: at at the beginning is it's like everybody tries to look like the most perfect and most accessible version of what America wants when they go on that show. And, you know, a lot more people watch that show than uh, just your your typical regular normie. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's what's so great about it is that this is what happens.
1: Well, I broke the barrier of the show, too. The, the whole viral thing is the show gets 20 million people maybe worldwide to watch. I'm like, I got 40 million on the clip. Yeah.
0: I mean, this is what happens when someone goes and does it their own way. And and
1: they, and they put it on TV too. I was so worried that they weren't because I knew a comic that got on, did it. They didn't air him. I'm like, that's going to be me. Like, they're not going to get this.
0: So do you feel different uh, aside from the health stuff. Do you feel like the person who sits here tonight is 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 different than the guy who uh, went on America's Got Talent a year ago?
1: No. I feel like it's it's still the same, you know, kind of quiet. I like to draw. Like everything about me is it's there. It's just I've gotten better at at doing what I'm doing. You know, I I don't know I would have done something like this two years ago if someone was like, hey you want to sit and talk with couple people for a podcast but i don't think so like that doesn't sound like me by now i'm like well i think i can do that because it's gotten me to a point where i'm comfortable but i don't know that it's i'm that different yeah
0: well yeah i mean you i guess you've uh you've stretched the limits of your comfort in a major way you know by going on that show and by exposing yourself to so many and it's turned out to be a pretty positive experience you know and I think that, that that when you when you take risks and you do stuff like that and it comes back and it, you you're better off for it, it, feels good and you you feel more confident to try new things and keep doing what you're doing.
1: It's it's very nice, yeah. It's like with kind of stand up, like I'm able to have more time on stage and do things. I feel more comfortable like doing things like this and talking with people. It's weird to say, like I don't feel different, but like I feel like I'm finally just like doing what I would want to do. Like I'm I'm not really a comic that like drinks. But I know a lot of comics, they drink, they get looser, so they feel like they can do what they want to do. I'm like, okay, well, I, I don't really drink to perform. But this has gotten me to that point where I'm like, this is my drink to perform, is doing that and being more comfortable and talking to people. Is this, that's what I needed to be able to kind of be like, hey, how's it going? And sit down, do this, be on stage, and all that was that kind of icebreaker.
0: Do you feel like we live in a particularly lonely and isolated time?
1: Yes, I think it's very deceptive. Yeah. I think we're so connected, it, it fools people. You can see what someone's doing right now, check their phone, and okay, that's what they're up to. Cool. Not even talk to them, not even let them know that you just saw them do that. Do
0: you have people now reach out to you with their own stories of that?
1: Of isolation? Of
0: isolation of the things that you touch on in the set, the stuff that you say is yes. uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. I've had. Relatable.
1: All, I try to respond to a lot of people, but it, it gets very daunting because. They all want to talk to me. I'm like, oh my god, I can't sit here all day and talk to all of you. But uh, a lot of people are like, hey, you know, I grew up in in school like a loner, or you know, I was like a goth kid in in high school, or just just so many stories where they're they're really like, you're you're my spirit animal kind of thing, like, or, or in so many words, where they're really connecting with it, and I feel so bad because I'm not you know continuing to connect with them in the way that you know they would want.
0: But I think you are. Uh you are a symbol that there can be more to life than what they think in the same way that you didn't think. I hope think, so. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: if anything, you know, just if I'm making people, you know, be a little bit better in their lives and who cares about I make people laugh.
0: Yeah. I mean, if, if somebody was goth and felt isolated and felt alone in maybe in the Midwest or whatever, uh, when they were a teenager and then they see someone like you who looks quite a bit like them.
1: Who, um, yeah. Who might not have places like San Francisco and Sacramento to hang out. Exactly. Or well, totally see, accepted.
0: They, they see that on TV because, you know, within 300 miles of them, they've got nothing like yeah. a San Francisco. I mean, that can be inspiring.
1: Which then you can go on the Internet and you can have your own, like, Instagram or whatever you want to have where you can be whatever you want. And then, you know, out in Tennessee, you can, you can do the traditional thing that doesn't scare everybody.
0: You wrote following your time on America's Got Talent last year, you said that you, you've known that you uh, come off as a risk because everybody they put on are safe and you are, uh, you are not, you know, you, you feel that you can have a bigger payoff, but you can also be a bigger flop. And that's something that you've just kind of accepted about what it is that you do. Do you still agree with that a year later?
1: Yes and no, it depends on. So, I mean, in the sense of a comedy show, suppose you don't advertise who's on it and people come in to see a comedy show and then I'm on the comedy show. I think that very much still applies because I'm not for everybody and that's fine. That's okay. I'm not trying to be for everybody because that's, that's an insane project to try to make art that everybody likes. Like, yeah. that sounds like you're going to make very boring art.
0: America's Got Talent. I feel like that's what they most people try to craft their art as when they go on that show. Right.
1: Is they want the whole world to like it. Exactly. Well, in America, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: But I'm sorry I interrupted. But, but it,
1: for me, yeah. So... That's the one realm is if I'm not like listed on the show and it's just a surprise on there, that's a gamble. Less so if people are coming to see me, if I'm advertised as a show, if I'm the show, I don't think that's really a risk because I don't think anyone's going to look at that and then go... I don't know if I want to see that guy. They're, they're going to come see me because they like me. They'll, they can be filled in with what my style is a little bit more. There's there, there can be some familiarity, and then that's less of a risk.
0: Well, and that's what America's Got Talent gave you, though. It gave you enough of a name to where you can now be the draw. Yeah. Before, there was no track record on that level to, to justify that. Very small, yeah.
1: I mean, a little bit in this area, I could have done a few things. You know, Every now and then, I'd see someone ask for one of the variety shows, like if I was going to be on it, which was really cool, but... You know, that's one or two people.
0: Oh, and I'm and I'm not saying that you, your career prior to America's Got Talent is insignificant. I'm just saying that when you when you look at the numbers, the sheer numbers. I mean, I sheer am numbers, I'm, I'm saying it was, yeah. I,
1: I barely had a career. Yeah. It was very frustrating to kind of get pigeonholed into the variety show world, but I kind of accepted it to a degree. Like, I wasn't really getting in at comedy shows, and I was like, okay, well, I'll perform with dancers. I'll perform in in October a lot you know it's but Halloween month that yeah Halloween yeah month. yeah. if that's what it's gonna be then that's fine yeah. so yeah
0: I mean to me having just sat here and talked to you about this whole experience a life-changing experience the two most amazing things are number one connecting with a community of people and a group of people who you've touched and now have in turn touched you and that's just unbelievable and number two that you get a platform now to where you don't have to be the uh, Halloween act you know Year-round. Now, now yeah. this whole Year-round. thing, this whole, this whole enterprise that you've devoted probably half of your life to gets to to breathe. It gets a chance to breathe, you know? And that's an incredible thing. Yeah. Well, Oliver, thank you for joining us tonight. Absolutely. Um, for people not familiar, we first met you when you came on a couple months ago and performed yeah, with Jake Ward's Northgate Cabaret episode. But, I mean, you've been on our radar since you got on America's Got Talent. Yeah. And I, I just remember when you went on, and I was like, oh, my goodness, Santa Rosa. Oh, my goodness, what a fun thing. Hometown so, boy. Hometown boy. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a Petaluma boy. It's a Petaluma mm-hmm. boy here. Went to the yeah. Phoenix several times yeah, growing
1: yes, up. thank you. I, I, cool. uh, this is something I did want to mention. Here we are is, in the Phoenix Theater, by the way, yeah, it's, Petaluma. It's yeah. I wanted to make sure I mentioned this. It's just a dumb, probably just an inside joke between my friends, the bands I used to see. Because something I still say sometimes to my friends is... Six shit, Ben Def for life because beneficial defect band I used to watch here. Ah, uh, yes. Boston Auto band I used Boston to watch Auto, here. Toast Machine uh, another band. Yep, all my favorite. Phoenix Kid growing up. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, what yeah. you I mean, yeah,
2: but <laughs> I mean, it takes souls like you to make this place work. So yeah, thank you. Wow, cool,
1: incredible thing.
2: That's, yeah
0: olivergravescomedy.com is the website if you yeah, want to learn more about this person and uh, you're on all the social media channels so that's a place if people you start go typing well. in Oliver
1: Graves I should come up if you don't find yeah. it Oliver Graves IRL at the end should get you my social medias
0: is there anything else that people should know before we get out of here try
1: to laugh today
0: that's good cool well
1: Oliver Graves Oliver
0: thank you Graves. so much for joining us and thank you good luck with what comes next
1: thank you